To the PhD Next Sons podcast. <laughs> I'm your host, Saul Bookman, and here is Espo, who's supposed to lead the charge, along with Jell Brogay. Uh, and we're here for our postmortem. Look at that. Uh, See? Yeah, we're led by the DraftKings Sportsbook app. America's number one sportsbook app. I just don't got it in me right now. Why? I, I saw, because I saw a point guard who was supposed to lead the charge not do it last night, <laughs> and I guess it's just contagious. So, I guess so, yeah. I mean, I, I had my iPad up when we started this whole thing. No, welcome, and we're glad to have you here for uh, for our postmortem, <laughs> as if last night wasn't enough. Why not another 45 minutes of beating the dead horse here? But, no, plenty to talk about that came out today. Uh, some comments by a certain... A guard that we'll get into. Monty Williams had his uh, his end of the season press conference, but I want to start uh, in one place and one place only because we all need to do this. It's time for the Phoenix Suns stages of grief. And gentlemen, I want to know where you are, Gerald. We'll start with you because you you haven't been in studio in so long. <laughs> we'll start with you. What sun stage of grief are you in right now? I'm still in denial. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know how to be anywhere else. I think obviously most of us are angry and bargaining and depressed, but like, I'm still in denial. I don't understand how last night happened. I don't understand how it happened four times in this series. And it wasn't to this degree in game seven, but like, I've never seen, not just in Suns franchise history, I've never seen a no show in a big playoff game from an entire team, from a title contender like that before like that was 2017 Suns home opener against the Blazers where they're down by 50 <laughs> levels in a game seven for a 64 win team I still can't you know, I can't wrap my head around the team they were in the regular season versus what we saw over the last few weeks it's mind-blowing uh, I mean that makes perfect sense <laughs> so what what stage are you in I'm in the bargaining stage um I it's hard, you know, like, listen, one of the difficult parts of of being a Suns fans, a fan is that uh, Suns Twitter can be ruthless mm -hmm. and they can be very like they can just go at your throat. Um, and so you feel like even though maybe you're seeing some things or some signs of things out there that you just don't want to say it out loud because you feel like you're going to get skewered. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. And uh, and I just feel like I'm at that stage right now where I'm like, I feel like the signs were there. I feel like there were some signs out there now, not to the degree that we lost by <laughs> by far, but um, there were some signs that that were there that kind of pointed to a direction where something like like losing four out of five games could happen in the playoffs. And, you know, and those signs kind of started a little bit in the NBA finals last year with uh, Giannis and the Bucks. Um, and, and basically, basically, I'm talking about, you know, if CP3 should go awry. What, what would happen if the support players uh, don't show up to a game? What would happen? We saw that in game six in Milwaukee. Um, and, and then we saw it, you know, against the Pelicans. But then you have these flashes of brilliance by CP3 or Mikhail Bridges, who drops 31 in a, in a game five um, in, in the first round. And, and then you see what they did in game five in this series. And you think that they have corrected it. But the signs were still there. And. It's just really unfortunate. So I, I'm, I'm, I, th I think I was just in the bargaining stage, just trying to figure out where this was at, how this all happened, and and, and moving on. Uh, Marco H in the chat, if we could scroll up, uh, says 
that he thinks he's between depression and acceptance. I think that's a fair place to be. For me, uh, there's only one place for me to be. I am squarely in the anger <laughs> stage right now, and I am feeling it a great deal. They quit. They quit on themselves. They quit on each other. They quit on the fan base. And I feel dumb for having bought in at this point and getting yeah. fooled yet again. At some point, I need to understand that this is the lot in life as Suns fans we've chosen for ourselves and to enjoy it, but not to get so emotionally tied into it because then I get irrationally angry at the end of it. But see, I don't, I don't think that you were bamboozled or like fooled into believing in this team of any team in Suns history based on what we had seen this was the team to buy into because they were coming off that finals run they shored up some of the weaknesses that we saw in that particular series and all year long this was a team that met adversity that rose above injury woes that you know beat really good teams on the second night of a back-to-back they were legitimate. And I hate that word frauds because that's the word that's going to be used to describe them. But what we saw in the playoffs was not the same team that we saw in the regular season. What's mind-blowing for me and what I'm having problems wrapping my head around is why that happened. How they became such a drastically different team that got away from everything that worked, that wilted in this Game 7 moment like you're talking about. Like they, It did look like they quit. They, they looked like they quit at halftime, to be Look, honest with you. You could argue it looked like they quit in game six. Yeah, like it was it was startling and it was stunning and it was unexpected. And I'm still having problems coming to terms with how that happened. But I don't think that this team was not legitimate or that they were fooling us. I think that they just found their worst stretch of the season at the wrong time. And I don't know why. But I feel like the answer is because of the Suns. <laughs> is why I mean, what I feel like the answer is, uh, and I I don't know why though. Like because <laughs> we wind up here uh, after after fifty five times of doing this. Mm. Not all of us have been there for all of them. Mm. I haven't, but you get the drift. At some point, you go, "Wow, again!" Mm -hmm. And this is the year I went, "Wow, again!" Because they were the title favorites going in, and somehow we still wind up right here and that's why i'm squarely in the anger phase i i don't think that has anything to do with it just because they're the sons like i just don't think you have those dudes and and more importantly like listen we've we've had some 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 superstars that have played for the sons okay um i just don't think that this group has a superstar at at, at the peak of his his play yet to take us over the hump yet Devin Booker is is a is a budgeting star. He's a budgeting superstar. He's right there on the fringe of superstardom, um, but I don't think he's in the po at the point of his career now where at the drop of a hat he can just take over a game no matter yeah. what. Luca was from the tip last night. You knew Luca was gonna was gonna bring it. Like mm -hmm. you knew he was was all about it. That dude didn't even hit the rim. Like his first ten shots, mm -hmm. it wasn't that he was just making them. He was just splash, 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 and nobody could stop him. The Suns couldn't do anything defensively to slow him down whatsoever. And then conversely, Devin Booker's getting double teamed every time he crosses half court, and he couldn't figure his way out of it. And he hadn't been able to for two straight games. Um, and that's you know like stars figure out a way to get through that that little bit of adversity and. And he, he wasn't able to do it. So I just don't feel like, you know, last year we ran into Giannis, who literally seemed like he went to a whole nother level 
of of, of stardom in the middle of the finals and and found something that that was just so unstoppable. You're like, Jesus, what? And Luca kind of did something similar yesterday. You're like, you know, so we keep running into these dudes, but at some point we have to have that dude. Yeah, but it's to me, it's not just on Devin Booker. It's not just on CP3 or DeAndre Aiden. It was a systemic failure mm-hmm. from Monty to the players to to just not showing any heart. And I don't understand how that happens mm-hmm. at the biggest moment in most of these guys' career to this point. Right. It is it, it is unfathomable, and that's why it makes me so damn angry. It's it's a shared failure all around, and that's why it bothers me to see people single out Booker, DA, Monty. Like it was everybody. Like we we if you're focusing on one specific reason why the Suns lost, you're doing it wrong because it was a collective failure across the board. I I do think that Book is in that superstar class, but I think there are definite tears to it. And I think we saw the difference this weekend between, you know, Luka Doncic, Giannis, Jason Tatum, and where Book is currently at. Because I'm not going to overlook a guy who had back-to-back 40-point games in in the finals last year. I'm not going to overlook the guy who dropped 47 or whatever it was on the Lakers to close them out. He's a superstar, but you're right, Saul. He's not at that point yet where he is a Giannis or Luka who just like that, will take over a game and win you a game. And, and I think that affects people's thinking, right? Like, it, it it, let's, let's, let's go back to the Luka Aiton thing, right? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people thought, okay, well, we already have Devin Booker. We don't necessarily need Luka. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get somebody, a big down low to help, to help offset Booker. So now you have an outside and inside presence. Now you're looking back at it and you're like, you almost want to say, I don't give a fuck how Devin Booker feels. You r- would rather have had Luka on this team at this point because Luka's just a bona fide star. Mm-hmm. Like, and so I think that's that's at least where I went wrong. I thought that this was going to be that that was the move there. And you were, I think you were on the Luka, Luka I was train very before much the draft. on the Luka train before the yeah. draft. I thought if you have two star level ball handlers, it doesn't matter who is one A and one B, they'll figure that out and they'll enjoy winning together if they're good enough like it's you know a lot of people we had the same kind of concerns when chris paul came here like who's going to have the ball they're both ball dominant guards the ball finds talent it finds energy and it finds superstars um and and again i I don't want to we're going to talk about da at length tomorrow but like there's a lot of overreactions on both sides to what we've seen over the last 48 hours and all i want to say is like i'm not using this opportunity to take a victory lap with the luca thing I think it was clear last night who the number one pick should have been in that draft. But I also think that faults have been committed on both sides with this DA situation that we find ourselves in. Well, and if they if they had lived up to their potential and wrapped that series up the way right. it looked like after two games, I don't know what we're saying. Totally different conversation. About that. So <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's tough to just pin it and say that's the reason. Mm-hmm. There was too many failures for it to just simply be that right luca played a big part in it but there's so many things that came up uh, look there are other basketball games that, that will go on though and you know what you can do to try to enjoy those <laughs> ignore them not even watch them that's some money on them, damn it. no DraftKings, you can't get my money anymore i lost three different ways last night suns bucks nets none of them will win the championship fuck this oh no you can Just take kidding. You can win. Kings. You can <laughs> you, take all of it. You can win your money back, though, Saul. Can That's I? the way you look. Got to look at it with the shit. final four teams in the <laughs> NBA. And if you bet five dollars on any one of them to win, you can win 
$150 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. Use that promo code PHNX when you sign up. If you've already signed up, don't worry. They got they got something for you too. Same game parlays. And if you make any same game parlay with three legs or more, you get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. That's right. I have no clue what they're laughing at, and I probably don't want to know it's right the now. Chat. <laughs> well, I figured it was the chat, so. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck does that even mean? Hello. Just coming through with four ways, Saul. Wife wasn't happy either. <laughs> Listen, my wife was asleep by the time I got home. She didn't even know that the Suns played last night. It's all good. Uh, I don't think that was what the reference was to. Yeah, but if the missus wants to be a winner, she can sign up for the DraftKings Sportsbook app using that code. Ph. Well, that's, that's where my my deterrent was. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even get a chance. She was asleep on something. Got home. You dick. Oh, oh game eight. <laughs> I think that was what Hello was referencing. Anyways, uh, bet I know what the fuck he was referencing. Espo. You simpleton? Bet, bet, I got it. Bet $5 on whatever Saul's got going on. Oh, on any NBA game. Jesus. If your team wins, you're going to get 120 or $150. I knew what the game was from the start. $125 in free bets. I'm trying to give away extra DraftKings money. $125 in free bets. Remember, 21 and over, Arizona-only gambling problem. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See Draft kings.com slash sportsbook for details uh you know saul talked about taking some l's last night there was a gentleman who took a big l this morning it was one pat beverly on one of those espn shows out i i think he was doing the car wash there Mm -hmm. in bristol uh and he basically went all out on cp3 True. He's not lying about man, that. CP can't guard nobody, man. Everybody in the NBA he know that. Guard, everybody know that. Anybody. What we call them? Cone. You know what you do with cones? Like when in the summertime, you got a cone. You make a move. What does the cone do? Stay still. Exactly. Yeah. He's a cone. Stop playing, man. I everybody that knows right. that. Everyone knows that. It's just y'all don't want to accept it because. Really? I... Re- really? So Pat Bev, who has been out of the playoffs for, what, three weeks now? Mm-hmm. Decides his sorry ass is going to take a victory <laughs> lap on CP3's grave. Look, we talked about it. CP3 played like Dookie, let's be honest, in the last five games. <laughs> Not Dookie. Right? A total <laughs> total Dookie. And, and, but, I mean, come on. Really, Pat Bev saying that? Listen, uh, Pat Bev... Should never, ever, ever talk. He, he as as we're gonna get into a second. Uh, you know, uh, um, our guy Matt Barnes. He's our guy now because he came <laughs> to CP3's defense. Basically said, dude, you're not that guy. You're not that guy, dude. And let me tell you, Pat Bev has no room to talk. Pat Bev got absolutely abused by CP3 last year. Got just absolutely dismantled, and he got used again this year too. They got swept three times, or they got swept. They lost three straight. To, to the same team. And then Ant doubling down and, and trying to come at CP3. Listen, you bunch of Timberwolf bums. You ain't shit. You ain't ever going to be shit. You're not even going to You ain't going to see shit. Nothing. You won't ever get to a Western Conference Finals. You won't ever get to a Finals. Not while CP3's in the league. And damn sure, not while you have these bums and these frauds and Cat and Ant and freaking Pat Bev on your team. You ain't going anywhere. So all these Timberwolf fans and that, that are jumping on their backs and trying to ride them to victory because that's the only way they can get a dub can go fuck off. 
I mean, I like Anthony Edwards, but yeah. The, <laughs> I mean, I do too, but now fuck but not anymore. Uh, no, but like, you got to consider the source. Like, this man was so enraged by having 41 dropped on his head by Chris Paul in the Western Conference Finals a year ago that he shoved the man in the back. And then he got he gets on this national platform less than 24 hours after that man's downfall. Of course, he's going to say ridiculous things like that. Of course, he's going to say shit like that. But like he's like you said, he's not on that level. He's not someone that's worth paying attention to. You got to consider the source in this case because he hates Chris Paul. He's he hated hates Chris him. Paul for a while. It is what it is. Oh, that, that he, he hates him. knew what they were doing. Yeah, oh, yeah. He hates him. And that's the reason why they came out. And let's just be clear. I think Anthony Edwards is fucking amazing, too. Like, I'm not saying that he's trash. I said it in that little quip. But not but, anymore. But no, <laughs> listen, I, I know I know what it is. But Pat Bev has no room to talk. No, None. no, I don't. I just I don't get it. You you barely made the first round. You lost to this team last year as a part of the Clippers. You, I mean, it, the only thing, like you said, is is total and complete pettiness as to why he would do that. And I, I want to play a game with you guys to ease some of the tensions here. <laughs> okay. You're, you ready? Mm-hmm. Like, can we throw that graphic up, Shane? I'm going to give you two players. You tell me which one you'd rather have. Player <laughs> one in his career average, 18.1 uh, points, four and a half rebounds per game, nine and a half assists, and 2.1 steals. Player two average, 8.8 points, 4.3 rebounds, 3.5 assists, and 1.1 steals per game in their career which one would you rather have on your team not player two's bum ass how about you gerald yeah i'll I'll probably take player one yeah i'm gonna take player (laughs) one too and i think we know where this going it's chris paul and pat bev so shut the hell up patrick beverly when you can't even stack up in the in the slightest uh you know don't talk and Listen, Chris Paul might be a cone, but he's got the best hands a cone has ever seen. <laughs> like, it, like my guy averages more points on one leg than Pat Bev can do on two. Yeah, and more steals. I mean, he was yeah, he was top five in steals this year, and I know that that's not the only way to measure defense. But a nine-time All Defensive Player, even at this age, you could tell his defensive problems in this series were a matter of size because Luca's just big, and the quad was bothering him. You could see it. Like, we don't have to be dishonest about this, and and. As much as Chris Paul deserves slander and this whole team deserves slander for last night's performance, like we're not going to listen to people that have been sitting on their couch for two to three weeks. We don't need that. Not, not only that, but like slander is one thing. I think we could all deal with slander. We can mm-hmm. listen. Hell, we dealt a lot of it this year. Yeah, yeah like listen, we, we deserve we deserve all the hate, but you still have to come correct with your hate. Yeah, like it has to be you know sensible hate. Like, the fact that Pat Bev would just come out CP3, like, I thought he made a good point. I thought when he said, listen, they should have benched Chris Paul. I, I thought that that point was at least a relevant point, and I thought that you could make an argument that Chris Paul shouldn't have played because he he wasn't doing anything out there. Yeah, he, he, he was, was almost a hindrance him. because the Mavs knew he wasn't even going to try and shoot the ball. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, like, I can mm-hmm. understand that point, which he did make later on in the show. And I can appreciate but his reasoning but, was all, but, but yeah, but, but the, then you come back with all this other BS and, and my guy, I think my guy, Matt Barnes sums it up best when he's talked about it like this. 
Well, what I want to touch on real quick, RJ, is the disrespect I saw from Pat Beverly earlier today. You know, as, as, as reporters, you know, as part of the media, we have a job to be critical, but I think there's a, a thin line between being critical and disrespecting. And I feel like what Pat Beverly did today to Chris Paul was completely disrespectful and out of the line. And Pat Beverly's talking like he's that guy. You're not that guy. Plain and simple. Chris Paul played terrible this year, and his numbers are still better than your career numbers have ever been. So I just think you have to understand, Chris is a 12-time All-Star. He played terrible. First time, or all defense nine times, seven times first team all defense. He'll be a Hall of Famer. Pat Bev and I were similar type role players. They don't talk about us when we go. They're going to talk about CP3 when he's done. And I just think the disrespect we saw earlier today on the ESPN show need to be checked because he was way out of pocket. I love that he's on the same network and tells this yeah. guy, what the hell? And then he even slights himself saying, look, I was like Pat Bev, yeah. and even I realized nobody gives a shit about my career. True. He's, I, it, yeah, it's I all love facts. It. It's refreshing. It's all facts. It's yeah. all facts. Like, and, I, and I can appreciate that because I know Matt Barnes is also not a very popular guy out there. Um, but the, the fact that we, we've, if you can keep it real and you can kind of put yourself in that situation and, and there's a certain, certain level of humility you have to show – when you're talking about stuff like this, you can't be all in your feelings, Pat Bev. You yeah. just need to talk about what you see. And then the fact that he kind of doubled down and said, nobody's afraid of the Suns. He's like, nobody's afraid of the Suns. Nobody's afraid of the Suns. You don't have to be afraid of the Suns if you're still going to get swept or yeah. if you're going to lose in six games. Like, they didn't even have CP3 last year, and you still got done in two games in a row, Pat Bev. Where the fuck were you at in that? Like, don't come with that bullshit when you can't even beat the Suns. Like, get out of here with that mess, dude. Well, and you're, you're on the Timberwolves where – you didn't win a playoff series, so is anybody really afraid of you either? I, I don't get it. Yeah, I, the whole <laughs> I'm not afraid of the Suns thing is funny when they lost all three games that they played against the Suns this year. I don't care if you're afraid. You're still getting your ass beat. Like, that's cool. Whatever you want. <laughs> however you want to view your ass beating, that's fine, Pat Bev. But that's but, okay. That's okay. Because, like, I understand that the Suns got absolutely just worked yesterday. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that they won't hold on to some of this hate for next season. Like, Pat, listen, we know Devin Booker holds on to some of the smallest stuff. Oh, yeah. And this is, this is going to be right there it's every bad. single time he has to go up against uh, uh, Pat Bev. I promise you that. This is some player haters ball shit right <laughs> here. Right, right. So you had shared a story earlier about your kind of experience. You want to go there? <laughs> sure, All sure. Right. Like, listen, this is why hate is, is useless. Like – in high school, okay, I had to play against Richard Jefferson, and I thought Richard Jefferson was trash. I thought he was trash. I thought he was overrated. He was only getting love because he, you know, he could jump out the gym and and he was a, a slightly taller guy. But I didn't think he could shoot that well. I didn't feel like his playmaking ability was all that great. I was like, why is this kid getting all the hype? I was dead ass wrong. Obviously, like I wasn't even <laughs> in the same ballpark, not even the same world of basketball as Richard Jefferson. But I couldn't see it because I had so much hate in my heart for that guy. And so, like, listen, hate gets you nowhere. You need to be humble, realize that you suck yourself, and give props to the people that are better than you, Richard Jefferson. <laughs> I'm, I'm wrapping my head around the phrase, you suck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, girth? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong yeah, with you today? What's going on with you today? That's, that's a Jesus. big time pause for wow. me, girth. What is going on? <laughs> I didn't say it. <laughs> what? You didn't say Why'd it. Why'd you have to go Look, there? You well, said to, it. So, to be fair... You and Richard Jefferson did wind up in about the same place in your career. You're both talking to a camera now, so he makes a lot more money than I do doing it. I'm just We're trying not, to I'm listen, trying to help you out. I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. I know this. I'm not that guy. You know what uh Pat Bev could use? 
a little quote old. from Monty? No, a little old. <laughs> Uh, well, we we should. Why, why don't we play? Yes, he could use some Monty-isms about Pat Bev. Let's see what Monty had to say about what Pat said. It's unbelievably hard, though, just because. Um, so when I hear stuff like that um, about another player taking a shot at Chris, it doesn't bother me at all. Uh, I look at Chris's body of work. I look at everywhere he's been. He's taken the organization to levels that in, in some cases they've never been before. And Chris's greatest skill is he cares. And when I see people taking shots at him like that, or I hear from you guys, I don't even respond to it. It's not even worth responding. I, everybody in this organization, everyone on this team understands how valuable Chris Paul is and how good he is and what he means to us. Um, as a coach, and I, I probably overdo this, I, I feel like I, I rode him too much and may have worn him out, um, especially in the New Orleans series. Um, he, he, if, if Chris doesn't play as well as he played, we probably don't win that series. And, and, but that's what great players do. They win you series. So when I hear some of this stuff, I just, I'm not going to put a, you know, I could say some things, but we, we're, we're chasing after other things, bigger things. And so I'm not going to wrestle in that, that mud. It does. That's not what we're trying to win. And that was my message to the guys, you know, after game five, like we're trying to win the game. And so to get into all that silliness, um, it doesn't, doesn't do any good in my opinion. Um, Chris is one of the best basketball players in the history of the game. And so you're going to have people taking shots at him that aren't even in that class, why would I even comment? Uh, so, Gerald, you're you're around Monty a lot. Mm -hmm. Let me see if I got this translation right. And Montyism <laughs> that was, shut the hell up, Pat Bev. Is that correct? Yeah, that's about as scathing <laughs> as, as a rude comment as Monty's going to make about anybody in this league. Like, you know, for him to say for someone who's not even in that class, that was a very pointed remark for a guy who said he wasn't going to comment on it. Yeah, you know what else could help Pat Bev calm down? What's that? Little OGs, right? Well, there we go. Our friends over at OGs, stop by your local dispensary and grab some amazing scratch-made THC gummies from our friends at OGs. I, I had never partaken, and I have now with OGs, and I am a a convert. I believe in the OGs. They're the indica. Uh, I've, I've never had anything quite take the edge off like that. Uh, I'll speak from personal experience there and the flavors spot on i mean i taste fantastic as well i mean different flavors like blackberries and cream watermelon uh all great if you want to get in on some of this and you can try their new microdosing option which is a three milligram uh gummy uh you can find those amazingly delicious varieties of flavors that og brands has to offer go to ogsbrands.com that's o-g-e-e-z-brands.com to find ogs near you god i miss Lindsay reading them so i could read the comments that are going on in the chat and laugh <laughs> it's really tough to not uh not have that now so i feel like i'm missing out i'm glad Lindsay's not here to talk about these ad reads because then you got to use your stupid ass sexy voice and i hate that more than anything in the world oh, exactly i don't know like i yeah i'm not even gonna go there i'm just gonna leave it alone so 
Anyways, uh, you brought it on yourself. Let's just no, say that. No. Uh, one other thing that happened today, Monty Williams uh, had his press conference today, uh, kind of his wrapping up of the season. We thought maybe we'd get players, but Gerald uh, just wound up with Monty today, correct? Yeah, we got uh, four players last night. We got Book, CP3, Mikhail Bridges, and Cam Johnson. No DA. Uh, we were asking if we were going to get any players today. Again, no players, no DAs, just Monty. We should be getting James Jones on Wednesday, but we'll see about that. Um, so yeah, it, it was, uh, there were a lot of good questions. There was a lot to talk about even after last night. And you could tell that this is still something that's going to stick with them for a while. It stings. He did say that he addressed the team. Um, and, and he kind of gave us an overview of how he's reacting to it and what his message was to the team. So we'll play that clip. It's unbelievably hard, though, just because um, our expectations are to, to be the last team standing. And, you know, in a short period of time, we've come a long way. And the process of the expectations have changed so quickly. And, you know, that, that adds a lot more to the stakes. And so when it ends, the way that it ended um, doesn't bother me as much because whether you lose by one or, or 33, the fact is it's over and it, it, can, it comes to an abrupt end based on where you thought you could have been. And, and that part is tough. And, you know, as I reflected last night and talked to the coaches, talked to my family, um, as badly as I felt, I had to also reflect on what we've been able to accomplish, not this just this year, but over these three years. And I, I wanted to remind the players of that, um, but also wanted them to, you know, understand that, you know, we, we accepted the praise when everybody was talking about us and we were winning games and guys were accomplishing things. And now we have to accept this, you know, this is going to help us grow um, in a way that last year, didn't allow for us to grow. Like these are the adverse times that, you know, help you. Um, but to your point, it is, it is numbing. It is a huge sting to, to end this way. Um, but it's just part of it. It's part of our journey. We have to accept it and embrace it and um, try our best to, to grow from it. Look, as much as we can talk about the X's and O's and the adjustments that Jason Kidd made and the adjustments that Monty didn't make in terms of just being a leader of this team, like you can't ask for a better reaction to it than that. Like, yes, he admitted it's numbing. It's a huge sting to end it this way. Um, but he looks at this team as a program, as something that's a multi-year thing that they're building on. Um, and he, he was quick to point out, like, yes, this sucks. Yes, we had higher expectations. Um, but those expectations have come very quick because we've accelerated a lot faster than I think a lot of people were expecting. You know, think about where we were three years ago heading into the bubble. The Suns were the 21st out of the 22 teams that were invited there record wise. And ever since then, it's been steadily uphill. This was a huge setback. This was a huge disappointment. I'm not trying to downplay it. Um but I do think he's cognizant of the fact that this is a hard process, that there are a lot of good teams in the league right now, and that he told the players, like, you, this is part of manhood. We, 
You know, they talked shit all season long. They rubbed it in teams' faces. They beat teams down with their play and with their talk. And he said, you know, we were taking all the credit when things were going good. Now we've got to take it now that we've, you know, that we fell well short of our goal. You know, it, it's just, again, like the, the thing that kind of echoes for me right now is, is I just feel like something had to have happened in the locker room to me. I just feel like this team was just so disjointed and did not look like they were interested at all in playing together. And that just that just isn't something that happens out of nowhere. That's something that kind of builds so something I feel like we might not ever find out, but people are not jiving in that locker room the way that they were earlier in the year, in my mm-hmm. opinion, especially uh, the way they supported each other in the playoffs was a little off. Even in the New Orleans series, like you saw the Dallas Mavericks bench all game long, standing up, cheering, like even the dudes that weren't going to play, they were like giving it to the other team like they were into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our bench, usually lively, usually engaging. They were just kind of like, you know, kind of going through the motions. And I feel like the Suns as a team kind of echoed that. They just were just kind of going through the motions. You, I told you last night, like the the Jay Crowder coming off the, the court and CP3 trying to talk to him. And Jay Crowder basically just ignored him and was like, I'm not even trying to hear you right now. And I thought maybe that's just a heat of the moment thing, but maybe there was something more to it. Something was jacked up, man. I wonder, the Suns' ultimate hype man this year has been JaVale McGee, right? Mm-hmm game uh, you know he, he gets benched because they're torching him does that impact things does he uh, i'm spec pure speculation i don't know but d- did that sour him did that impact things i don't know but i also wonder and i want to ask you this gerald mm. when things get really tough does a leader like monty <coughs> resonate in mm. in those moments because I we I know he's a great man. We've talked about that. Mm. Even keeled a uh, lot of, for lack of a better term, folksy sayings. Well done, better than well said. That stuff works great when you're when you're winning, when mm. you are the leader in the clubhouse, when you're the underdog and you can surprise. But did some of that fall on deaf ears when things got tough? Here is what I wonder. I don't. I personally don't think so. I I wouldn't fault anyone for making that case. But I I think. You know, a lot of the things that you're saying sound very similar to what was said about Earl Watson because he had all these, you know, lofty ambitions, these sayings about how important love is in the locker room and all that shit. But like the difference is Monty actually backs it up with basketball know-how. They had one of the most dynamic pick and roll offenses in the NBA this season that looked unstoppable and they kind of got away from it. Um I think he took a lot of ownership for the faults that he played in this series. He said it was on him. Um, he talked a lot about, you know, wanting to empower guys a little bit more, maybe moving forward like Mikhail and Cam, the ball handlers. As far as like in the playoffs, you look at these other teams, they swing the ball around and then they have somebody that goes and gets a bucket. Right now, Devin Booker's kind of the only guy, especially if CP3 is playing the way that he played in that series. He said he thought they put them in enough situations where they could be empowered to do that in a playoff series but apparently they didn't do it enough um so i feel like he took ownership i feel like he is aware of where this team needs to improve i don't know what you can do about the in-game adjustment stuff as far as his coaching style um but i i don't think it's anything as far as his message i do wonder if there was something in the locker room in terms of <laughs> i would guess it's da not javel because like javel is the hype yeah. man but he he was still doing his same stuff during the pregame rituals or whatever you want to call it 
I do wonder if what we saw in Game 7 between DA and Monty was a boiling point of something that had been kind of percolating for the series. I mean, like, we've talked about it in the Discord all day. It's been popping in there. Um, And, you know, there's there's a faction of people that feel like DA has a right to be upset Mm -hmm. uh, because they feel like he wasn't being utilized the, the right way and that he's been sacrificing for the team and he's not going to get anything any payoff out of it and then there's another faction of people that are like f him uh he should have been he he should he should have been better than that last night if it was true that mm-hmm. that he quit on the team um and you know get rid of him uh i we'll get into the da stuff later on yeah. but here here's my other question for you like we just talked about money but mm-hmm. you know we we can't ignore the fact that chris paul has been in several stops Mm-hmm. And there, there have been several stops where it feels like he has worn out his welcome. Um, maybe he's just he's been too overbearing for some teammates. Uh, we know that happened in Houston. Mm-hmm. We know that that's happening with the Clippers. Uh, I, I wonder if we're starting to see the beginning of that as well in terms of maybe he's just too much. And then you you mix in the fact that he could barely play mm-hmm. um, at a high level in the, in the last five games, and it's like. Are you about the team or are you about yourself? Because if you're hindering the team, mm. then then what, what I, then everything that you're saying is kind of BS. But I also acknowledge the fact that they really didn't have any other options at that point yeah, outside right. of maybe Shem. I, I would push back on that strongly in terms of the t- – I think that's more of a fan sentiment frustration with another season where Chris Paul is not 100% and it costs the team. But there's not a lot he can do about that. And like you're saying, like there's not a lot the Suns could have done to mitigate that in terms of the roster that they had. We can talk about, going back to the trade deadline, how important it was to find another ball handler to not be complacent um, for this situation because we expressed concerns about campaign throughout the season. He had yep. that one reassuring stint where Chris Paul was out and he really stepped up as a starter and he thought, okay, maybe they'll be okay. But that was kind of after the trade deadline. So like they sat on their heels a little bit. They got Aaron Holiday but didn't give him a run. And Aaron Holiday is not going to save your series if he's playing star- starters minutes. I'm sorry to tell you guys no. who wanted ho- Holiday minutes. Like, that's not going to work. Campaign was even worse than a below average CP3 out there for the most part. Like, th- those were roster flaws, not team, like, not flaws as far as the reasoning with what they had. And I think with Chris Paul, you heard Book, you heard Mikael Bridges, Monty Williams, a lot of guys will go to bat for this dude. I think if there are tensions with Chris Paul, it is solely from a DA perspective, and that's a separate. That's part of the DA conversation more than the Chris conversation. But this goes back to systemic failure, right? From the top down, James Jones uh, thought too highly of his roster, didn't make a move that could have helped, and and in many ways, we heard it came down to didn't want to go after Eric Gordon because it cost him a first round pick, mm-hmm. you know, and. Right now you're sitting here, if the difference between what we experienced and moving on was a first-round pick, you'd give that up in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. I also, uh, So systemically, you just go down the line and everything kind of failed throughout there. And, you know, I think to your CP3 point, Saul, you could argue as that him wanting to be out there was him trying to give everything and trying to, trying to help his teammates, not doing it. Uh, because he wanted to hinder him. And at some point, it's on Monty to say, look, man, I know you want to go out there and give everything, but if you just don't have it, you know, I'll have to try something else. But to Gerald's point, there wasn't anything else really to try at that point. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. I just, 
his his play was so non-existent that I'm like, you know what? Uh, you might as well. I mean, especially at the at a point where it just looks like you're scrambling. Yeah, yeah, and he was. And Monty was scrambling yesterday, trying many, many different rotations to see if he can get a spark somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so at that point, I'm like, you might as well throw Aaron Holiday in the second quarter and just see what happens because nobody was doing shit out there. And at that point, the, the season looked like it was all but lost. Um, so there's really no use of putting Aaron Holiday in for the last two minutes of the game because you're like, well, damn, what? You know, the campaign has to hit shit since fucking November. And he's out there playing. Like, throw out Aaron Holiday. I'm not saying he would have saved the day. No. But at least see what you got for a little bit. goes to Gerald's point about in-game adjustments as well. That, you know, that's something that needs to have a long, hard look when it it comes to Monty as well. It's it's amazing when everything's going well, you don't see the cracks in the foundation, right? You just see the fixer-upper that's been flipped. Mm -hmm. You don't look at, oh, the pipes, these all these things behind the scenes – that could eventually become a, a failure overall, uh, and now you're now it's all kind of exposed. It's laid bare. I I don't think so. Like I feel like we've we've been talking about the same things all year long. Like the ability for them to get Da involved down low in the post a lot more than they had been. Cam and, and Mikhail having to be those those you know those third and fourth scores if you can't get Da especially involved. You had to, you had to rely on them, and everybody expected. Cam Johnson to make a big jump, Mikhail to make a big jump, and we saw glimpses. Mm-hmm. We saw glimpses of Cam. Damn near, you know, he was he was damn near, you know, one of the the better wings in the NBA until, the um, until he got the injury, and then he just never recovered from that. Mikhail, he'll he'll give you like eight, he'll give you ten, and then he has thirty one in a game five against the Pelicans. You're like, that's the dude. Like you got to be there every single time, and he just can never be consistent enough to do it. And and that's those were some of the the flaws that we saw campaign. You know, we were waiting for campaign to give us 2021 campaign, and it just never seemed to happen. Mm-hmm. So, and, and and he hasn't been that dude all year long, mm-hmm. which makes the James Jones not going for Eric Gordon thing even more egregious because he ended up going back to what he knew and traded for Torrey Craig and got Aaron Holiday, and that didn't really amount to shit and didn't give him the spark that they hoped they would give. Get them that they gave them last year. Yeah. Um, so it's just a lot of it was kind of a comedy of errors that you didn't realize in the moment, but obviously you realize now. Yeah. After you bought the thing and we're all in, then you realize, uh oh, that foundation's tilted a little bit. We'll yeah. see. The wiring's a little messed up. But, but that's yeah. where I struggle because, like, we did see Mikael Bridges step up during the regular season and look like he could be and that guy. And it wasn't just for like stints. It was for long stretches. And the same thing with Cam Johnson. He was playing some of his best basketball until that quad thing took him out for a month. Um, you know, like campaign looked like he was coming around during that 15 game stretch where Chris Paul was out and he was the starter and he was legitimately good. Like I, I just, I don't understand how it was a perfect storm of everything that could go wrong, going wrong um, guys not playing like they did all season, the team not running offense like they did all season, not defending like they did all season. It, it was just, uh, it's disheartening because on the one hand, yes, Monty could have made some different adjustments. He could have tried some different things, but at the end of the day, you can't coach effort and you can't coach execution to that degree. Like when guys just aren't running their stuff or when they're just turning the ball over or playing scared or like Tory Craig was awful out there. Like his stints were so bad. And last year he was a legitimate impact player off the bench. He was getting steals, getting, you know, he had that one alley-oop in the Denver series that was one of the highlights of their entire postseason run. 
there was nothing like that from him this year or from any of the bench guys really outside of a couple decent games from Cam Johnson. It was just, it was brutal. Let me ask this, and this is kind of sarcastic, but Mm -hmm. any thought that maybe uh, cutting, you know, Frank Kaminsky in favor (laughs) of Alfred Payton, maybe there was a lot of talk about Frank being a really good locker room guy. He was never got that vibe out of Alfred Payton and you cut him. You cut Frank, and you don't even have use Alfred at, at all. So what the hell was the point? Even when you had point guard injuries and guys not playing well, like, you you needed, I I you needed the guy that could actually suit up in a playoff game versus Kaminsky, who was still a ways away. So I get it from a basketball perspective. I do understand the locker room sentiment, just because Frank was you know he's a goofball. He was well liked. He brought levity to every situation. But like Peyton was also well liked by his teammates, even if he wasn't appreciated or liked by the fans for obvious reasons um i I don't it it was a bit tongue-in-cheek let me be yeah no it's It's totally fair but (laughs) i'm just it kind of more the the tongue-in-cheek part i don't think you i don't think you i don't think frank kaminsky (laughs) would have changed that series i feel like you do <laughs> You've no, been clamoring for really Kaminsky Cove to open up no, for a we're, long time. We're, we're we're looking at the end of the roster, and at the end of the day, Devin Booker wasn't good enough. DeAndre Ayton wasn't good enough. Yeah. Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Monty Williams, Chris Ooh. Paul, none of them were good enough, and that's why we're sitting here. For me, in denial, wondering how the hell this still you happened. Got outplayed by guys like freaking Bullock and Finney Smith, man. That's game over. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's it. Maxi Kleba, Kleba. Burton, uh, Davis, Burton. They were outscored by Luka Doncic by himself two minutes into the third quarter. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty bad. That's insane. Uh, Psycho Blue with the five dollars super chat. I'm a Vikings and Rockies fan too. Ouch. I'm numb to this because I've seen it so often. Pick three, four guys. Set the Detonators and Hope Sarver is gone. Uh, and Elon Musk, $2 super chat. Ooh, he went over the 199 Thank there you. you. Thank you, Thank Elon. you Elon. Elon here. I forgot the Timberwolves. Missed the guy's money back from Twitter. <laughs> Ooh, we're going to be rolling in it soon, boys. Rolling in it. Uh, I'm going to put Shane on the spot. Do we have a producer surprise today? My brother. Really? I don't know. No. <laughs> I don't know. Damn, all right. Oh, geez. My brother, no. My brother, no. You Wolf came ready. Brother. Yeah. All right. Well, then I guess we're just going to go into the last ad read since uh, we've got absolutely nothing from our producer. Thank you, Shane. Great transition. <laughs> Shane. It's, it's going to be even worse <laughs> when you hear the, hear the ad we're transitioning oh, oh to. Uh, right. Lots going on this summer, and if you want to be a part of it. <laughs> Don't go outside because he- it's hot as shit. <laughs> yeah. Be healthy and make sure that you get your COVID 19 vaccines vaccines are free for everyone five and older those 12 and older are also now eligible for boosters you know who else didn't take their shot last night any of the sons there you go all right they didn't make them <laughs> uh visit azhealth.gov slash find vaccine for a location near you and if you're a part of the phoenix sons visit azhealth.gov slash find your heart and hustle uh to find what you were missing in game seven gentlemen we uh, go ahead Sorry. Uh, we didn't talk much about DeAndre Ayton today. No. There's a reason. We're going to dedicate most of Tuesday's show to that. We also will have our trade machine Tuesday, so we'll get into some of what was uh, being suggested today on the interwebs. We wanted to have this postmortem of Game 7, and then we will slowly start to move on starting tomorrow and look at some of the bigger picture things going on with the Suns. We've got a very long off season. We're going to be here for you every day live uh, during the week 
at 2 p.m. here on the YouTube channel. So we're going to take our time and gently get in into each of these things. Any final thoughts before we get out of here today? There's a lot of sexual innuendos thrown out today. That wasn't meant that. I don't understand anyway. what is going on. What did you two eat for breakfast? You're the one that's sadness. Said the sadness. <laughs> yes. Big bowl of sadness. Sadness. con de parfum with the $2 super chat. When DA walks, we will regret it like Joe Johnson. And that is what we'll talk about tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Get into all of that good stuff tomorrow. And I'll have an article on that very topic tomorrow as well. So we'll have a lot to talk about. And if you didn't get enough of my anger, you can head over to gophx.com <laughs> and read my column where I got a lot of that anger out as well. And make sure to become a member, read all of Gerald's great content. He will have everything you need this offseason as a Suns fan. Inside info, insight, and feature stories. He'll have it all. And when you become an annual member, you get a free t-shirt. And those things are fire. Also, apparently DMVR trolled us today. Which, like, let's be real. Like, no, the Nuggets weren't going to beat us. I don't care what they say. Um, and they haven't beat us. So they control all they want. They still suck. So I don't care. <laughs> the Nuggets weren't going to beat us. They weren't going to beat the Warriors. They weren't going to beat the Grizzlies. They weren't going to beat the Mavs. They're not going to beat anybody. They weren't going to beat anybody in the playoffs. Hey, you, you've got the MVP, and we made it to the second round. I mean, yeah, congratulations. Like, <laughs> we both have a poo-poo platter of jack squat. Right Everybody now. gets to kiss their sister. Right. Congratulations. So, so DNVR, <laughs> we'll suffer along with you for the rest of this offseason. We'll meet you in Vegas for Summer League and a little uh, basketball ourselves. So, Lindsay, to- hopefully, will be back soon. Yes. She's still under the weather. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, and uh, we we hope that she's back as soon as possible. You can send her well wishes on Twitter at Lindsay Smith AZ. You can send Gerald well wishes at Gerald Borgay. <laughs> you can send Saul whatever you want to send Saul at Saul <laughs> underscore Bookman. Uh, the underscore is there to fit the supreme sadness uh, that we're all feeling today. You can follow me at, at Espo. You can follow the show at PHNX underscore Sons. And remember... Sometimes your producer isn't going to come with a producer surprise. And you got to learn how to tap dance. Ahoy, hoy. Is in control and he ain't never gonna let go. PHNX though, Lindsey Gerald Espo. Saw past the ball, we here to turn up the tempo. Got to understand me, I'll always wreck the family. Rally in the valley like Dan G, no plan B. Always on the job, my team move like the mob. Turn the beat on, I throw it down like DA on the lot. Best combo since KJ Mar-